Great to have your company. I'm Dr Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings. My guest today is Dr Marsha William. Marsha is a medical doctor who is in full-time musical ministry. Her ministry is called Healing Heart Ministries. You can find it at healingheartministries.com. Marsha has degrees in biomedical science, medicine and music. She was university medalist in music at James Cook University, specialising in composition. Marsha is a pianist and singer and has won awards for her music. Marsha's husband, Ernst, is a pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and a bass guitarist. We're going to hear some of Marsha's songs that she has written and recorded. In the first part of the program, Marsha will tell us about her musical journey. After the break, I'll be talking with Marsha about her early life and formative influences. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you. Great to have you here today. Yes, it's a real pleasure to be here this morning. We're going to start by listening to one of Marsha's songs. It's the title song of her recently released album, Take My Heart. Marsha, would you like to introduce this one for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I wrote Take My Heart um, with the intent to actually help express a prayer. Um, This song was written by Ellen G. Well, the, the words were written by Ellen G. White from the book Christ Object Lessons. And uh, it, it's just a song that actually helps to um, bring those words deeply into the heart. And I chose the oboe and the cello and the voice to really um, help those words to really penetrate. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I wrote Take My Heart. Well, let's listen to the song now.
Marsha, what does this song mean to you? Well, this song has great meaning to me. When I first read this prayer from the book Christ Object Lessons, I was deeply moved by the great honesty in the lyrics and the confession that was expressed through her words. Take my heart for I cannot give it. Keep it for I cannot keep it for you. I just love that free admission of not being able to care for for my own heart and the need to um, surrender this to the one who created my heart, the only one that could care for it, which is Jesus. And so, um, you know, and and, and it goes on to say, save me in spite of myself. Mm. And I really appreciate this because I grew up with a very low self-respect and As a Christian, I really struggled with this. It affected my walk with God because I wrestled a great deal with how God could possibly work through me with all my failings. And then to hear a prayer that just said, save me in spite of myself, Mm. it just really spoke to me and expressed the words I desperately needed to pray. Um, So I had to write music to it to Mm. capture that. Very beautiful. Tell me why music ministry? Well, music has always been my most natural way of expressing myself and communicating. And so when I met Jesus at the age of 16, um, this way of expressing intensified greatly. And uh, I wrote music freely to him, predominantly in a private way. It was my way of responding to him every time I encountered something with him. And so... um, I began to see as well that music enhanced the message of the gospel incredibly. It it had a way to solidify a decision for Christ. It had a way of destroying the work of the enemy to discourage the soul. And so at the age of 18, I decided I wanted to be a song evangelist. And uh, I stepped forward to volunteer when certain opportunities arose, but I was always passed over for those that were more experienced and those that were older. So then I eventually started to lose a bit of enthusiasm with my singing and my composing and I started to believe in those voices around me that used to criticise who I was and what I did and and, um, that I could never really succeed at becoming a musician um, because I wasn't good enough. And so then I started to think about... um, putting that on the back burner, so to speak, and concentrating on something more concrete like medical work. And as I was working as a doctor, um, God kept speaking to my heart and the calling for me to be that song evangelist that I first desired to be became stronger and stronger until I really could not quiet that anymore. Mm. And so... um, I finally accepted the fact that the most joyful and successful moments of my life and the times when I felt the strongest and the most energised was when I glorified God through song. And so with great nervousness but confidence in God's capabilities, I I stepped out at the beginning of this year into full-time music ministry and just decided that that's where I I probably was at the best with with the Lord in serving Him. So yeah, it's taken a little while for you to get to that point, though. Oh hasn't yes, it? it it's basically taken twenty years. What impact do you think that has made on your life? I mean, the impact of having that sort of detour in your journey. A huge impact. It, I mean, medical work is is such an important work as it is and it, it, it the, for someone to step into that work means dedicating their entire lives to the healing ministry and then to then step back from that 
um, somewhat and not go through the traditional clinical um, pathways um, that are set out before you is, is really scary, actually, because what I'm embarking to do now is more a pioneer type um, way of expressing that healing ministry through music. It's, it's quite scary at times. Uh, sometimes I think I'm just stepping out into a completely unknown territory. Um, so, yeah, it has, has had a tremendous impact to make the decision to then go into full-time music ministry. Tell me what you do in your ministry. Well, Healing Heart Ministries is a ministry that communicates to both church and community um, the, the, the message through word and song that God can indeed heal and restore the wounded heart, that he's quite capable of bringing someone back to life from a very traumatised, often traumatised situation. And so um, I, I really wanted to bring that out through music. And so with, with that, um, I mean, if I just step back a little bit, in 2005, I suffered very severe depression following work-related stress. The high demands placed on being a doctor, the long hours at the time we were working 16-hour shifts, you know, maybe every two to three times a week was very common. The immense suffering that surrounded me on a daily basis, as well as being subject to very exacting and, and critical type staff that were really stressed and couldn't really mentor effectively. It led to some terrible mental and physical exhaustion that I suffered after the first year as an intern. And so as a result, I had to leave medical work for a good four years to actually recover from this severe depression. It was during this time that God impressed on my heart to enroll into the Bachelor of Music degree, to find joy in, in composing music. And it was then that I discovered that creating music actually improved my depressive symptoms. It brought me joy and emotional balance. It helped me to make decisions again and concentrate better. And uh, as he lifted me up out of this despair through music and through his word, my heart began to live again and I saw purpose in my life. I was able to go back to medical work for another five years, something that I thought was an impossibility after suffering depression. I was able to face my fears during that time, feeling comfortable in who I was in Christ. And, and so after regaining some confidence and strength, I determined that I would use these musical gifts that God had given me to then help others to find healing through him. I found that physical... Uh, suffering very often had an emotional underlying uh, problem that was quite well hidden and, and kept in, in very deep recesses of one's thinking. And music has a way of bringing that to the surface and then allowing by the choice of that person to then give that to the great physician, Jesus. And so Healing Heart Ministries is about helping people to bring that emotional need to God and uh in a, in a more practical sense, I do that through concerts where I will sing to people and share my own personal testimony and those that can then relate to that and are going through difficulty are able to then um, share with me after the concert and bring out some of these difficult situations that they've encountered and just the sense of being able to speak to someone about it is very, very uh, powerful and healing for them. And so that's what, I, that's what I really hope to do through the Healing Heart music. What you're saying then is that music has been a really important part of your own life. 
Absolutely. In terms of helping you to keep a balance in your life, mm. survive really stressful situations and so forth. Yes, yep. Tell me about your approach to composition and writing songs. That's a really difficult question to answer. It, I think for me personally, writing music is about capturing an encounter with God. It's about trying to share a picture, almost like a photo snapshot of a very important memory. And I, the inspiration to write for me has often come from these experiences with God, whether they are his um, way of carrying me through difficulty or to help me ride um, above, soar above the mountains with joy over a particular experience. And uh, I find that that's, that inspiration helps me to then, you know, express that through the language of music. Um, whether a melody comes first or a, a lyric, it's you know, it's neither here or there, it's one or the other, but it's it's the, the joy and the art and the interest in putting that together, you know. I mean, I speak English and I communicate through English, you know, but I, I do believe I have two, two uh, languages. One is English and one is music. And to be able to share a moment with God through the language of music is an incredibly powerful thing and a very satisfying experience yeah what impact does your music have can you give me an example of yes well um interestingly although i write through my own experiences with god he has actually used me to write for a uh, direct experience in, in in other people for example i remember um you know lying on the couch at home and just praying about wanting to write a choral piece for my choir one day and um, I just had this extra strength and, and compulsion to get on that piano and start. And within five hours, all these beautiful melodies that just seemed to float into my mind and combine with scripture that I'd been reflecting on for a while all seemed to combine and, and form this, this choral piece. So within five hours, I'd created a choral piece and that's just not usual for me. I usually take a few days. And so I bundled this manuscript under my arm and just rushed out to see my choir. I was so excited and I wanted to start rehearsing with them. But unbeknownst to me, there was a homeless lady uh, sitting in the rehearsal room. One of the choir members had invited her to attend. They had met her in the park the day before. And this homeless lady in her 30s, as she was listening to this music, said to the choir member, I've heard this piece before. And of course, for a composer, that's that's a real nightmare <laughs> for someone to say they've heard this piece before. But nonetheless, she began to tell the story of how, when she was age thirteen, she lay on a bed in, uh, you know, terrible despair of her life, and um, heard these what she she described as angels singing music, um, giving a great comfort. And she rose from her bed and spoke to her mum in the next room and said, what, what what record is being played? Where Where is this record player? And, and her mum just turned to her and said there was no record player being played. And and she, she heard this music until it faded away. And um, while she was in the park, she was praying and asking God to give her direction as to where she should go, where she could go that would be a safe place, it would be a place of fellowship. 
And uh, sure enough, this choir member that then met her and invited her to this rehearsal. And it was then that she said to this choir member that this was the, the music that she'd heard at the age of 13. And that just blows me away how God can do that, how he can just completely independently use two situations at, you know, at very different points in time to be able to help this this soul to come to him and find safety. And she, she saw this particular occasion as a sign um, for her to actually join that fellowship with us. And she started attending church at that time. Great story. Mm. A lot of things to unpack there, isn't there? Yes, yes. So. Tell me about the time you sang the 23rd Psalm. Yes. Well, the 23rd Psalm... Um, is is a very important song for me in that I wrote it to try and f- um, gain a calmness in in a place of great anxiety. I was in work and going through a lot of stress, and that particular psalm really, really spoke to me about how God could could help me to just stop for a moment and be still by His still waters and and lie down peacefully in you know, the green pastures and just have that time out with him. And so I wanted to write a song that really expressed that meditative quality, that calmness and quietness that allows us to be able to stop for a moment and hear the still voice of God and then find um, freshness and new new purpose and direction in life. And so that's how I wrote Psalm, the music for Psalm 23. It's very meditational. And then one day a friend of mine said to me, oh, it would be great if you could sing in a hospital. And so during Christmas time I decided to sing a couple of carols in all the different wards. And I came to the cancer ward and started singing carols there. And I thought, well, it would be a good idea also to sing Psalm 23 just to give calmness and, and quietness to people that are under tremendous pain. And one of the nurses actually willed out um, this man who had been lying in bed for several weeks in excruciating pain, whose facial expressions showed that. it was ju- He just never smiled. And this nurse who'd cared for him one-on-one each day was standing there with him. And as I sang this piece, um, the nurse began to cry. And my friend walked ov- over to her and said, why are you crying? And she said... I've never seen this before, you know, this man who's now smiling, whose face is now radiating before me. I've I've never seen him um, do that before. And she was just completely overwhelmed by that moment. And I saw in that experience the power of music to just get straight to the heart and allow God to speak to these people in suffering. I think it's a good time for us to listen to the song. Okay. Let's listen to Psalm 23. All right.
Marsha, you've had an interest in the effects of various compositional elements on mental states. What do we really know about this area? Well, music, music has been, um, you know, identified now as an important form of therapy. Um, it's now... Research is showing now that there's very, very strong evidence of music benefiting people and helping them in their recovery. I mean, in 1944, um, or just before that really, during the war and after the war, a lot of musicians were asked to come to veterans' hospitals in America to play music so to give people um, hope again and to help those that were going through post-traumatic stress through the war. And the nurses and doctors discovered the benefits of it even back then and decided that it was important that people should train in that area to be able to help people in this way. And so colleges and universities caught on to this and began to form curriculums and training programs for music therapy. And since then, it's become quite established and there's a phenomenal amount of research out there which um, shows that music can benefit to reduce stress, promote relaxation, reduce pain, um, improve memory performance. Music has been particularly helpful with children that suffer things like um, physical and mental disabilities that shut them out from the external world and, and, and like things like autism that affects them in such a way that they don't know how to communicate outside. It's a very fearful sort of environment for them. Whereas music allows them to actively engage with the outside world and, and improve their development in their social skills. So all these wonderful qualities about music is already well and truly being identified now. I think personally, um, my first interest in music as a form of therapy stemmed from uh, the Bible verse that I read in 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, where uh, David, not yet king, um, but definitely a known harpist and a musician, was asked to enter the court of King Saul uh, to play music to him, uh, to ease his tortured, paranoid mind. And that really struck me quite a few years ago when I read this verse. And from there, I became extremely aware of how music actually uh, affected people. I remember uh, playing piano to a couple of hymns and a friend of mine uh, whose husband was uh, dying actually of kidney disease, kidney cancer, uh, came across the, this taping and started to listen to it in the last uh, few weeks of his life. At the time, the opioids that he was being given couldn't uh, stay the, the pain that he was suffering, but actually the hymns that he was listening to uh, reduced his pain to zero. And this friend expressed that to me at his funeral and was so thankful for that music to be able to help him and reduce his suffering just before his final hours, you know. Um, is is that how you got the name Healing Heart Ministries? Yes, yeah. I think through through that particular verse, which has really directed my way of thinking over the last few years, um, that's when I decided I was going to call my ministry Healing Harp based on David's playing of the harp to King Saul. Yeah. I imagine both you and Ernst have very busy lives. Mm. What sort of musical life do you have together these days? Well, Ernst and I, um, 
we we met through music. Uh, he was a heavy metal guitarist and singer. Uh, used to play in the Sydney pub scene. And when he came to Christ, which is a completely amazing story in itself, um, he began to play in bass guitar in my vocal group. And we met through a mutual friend. And and, and through that, uh, we, we've, I mean, from first meeting together, we've always played music together. It's just part of our... Um, our friendship, our connection, we've always played together. These days, um, not so much because he's a very busy pastor, but very often when we're called to lead song worship in congregations, we'll play together. He'll play bass, I'll play piano, we'll both sing. And uh, and also during concerts when he's available to come, he'll play bass for me. Did he play on your CD? He certainly did, yes. I suspected did. that. <laughs> yeah. Let's listen to another song by Marsha. This is a very evocative song, Spirit of God. Would you like to introduce it for us, Marsha? Yes, Spirit of God is a piece that a, f- a really good friend of mine, Kim Clark, and I wrote together uh, a few years ago. And we were just uh, exploring the the personal identity of God's Holy Spirit and how he interacts as a person uh, with each one of us, how he is indeed God, how he is indeed very, very active in healing and saving us. And so based on the verse found in Jeremiah 17, 14, where it says, uh, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved. You are my praise and I call on your name. Uh, We decided that we wanted to really bring that prayer to the people through music so that they too could speak to the Holy Spirit as a person and call upon him to heal and save them. Let's listen to Spirit of God now.
We'll go to a break now. When we come back, I'll be talking with Marsha about her early life and influences. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 2 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abn That is radio at the number 3abn Australia, all one word, dot org dot au. Our postal address is 3abn Australia Inc., PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. I'm talking with Dr. Marsha William about her singing ministry, Healing Heart Ministries. In this part of the program, I want to talk about her early life and formative influences. Marsha, where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Sydney, in Annandale, and I grew up mainly in um, places like Campsie and Wiley Park um, through my very early years and then moved into the western suburbs and grew up in places like Mount Druitt um, through to my my early 20s, yes. Tell me about your family. Um, my my mum and dad and my sister, um, we were very close when I grew up and um, it was just a really lovely environment full of music. Dad just loved playing guitar and singing and we all used to laugh a great deal because he was a bit of a joke and still is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, it was a very, it was a very good uh, upbringing. I think my... My parents particularly instilled the value of of education in in my life and helped me to really um, do the very best that I could in in anything. Um, they were very that was a very important thing to them, and so the reason being, I think mainly is because my father, particularly when he was growing up in Mauritius, where they are from. Um, he he was in a very, very poverty-stricken area and it was very hard for him to get through his daily life. And so he was determined that um, to, to educate himself as best as he could to be able to rise above that poverty. And so he and mum and my sister then travelled to Australia for, to improve the situation for my sister and I to be able to get a good formative education and become more independent and not go through the struggles that he did. And your father's a maths teacher. That's right, that's right. Before he came to Australia, he was a teacher in mathematics, chemistry and physics. But when he came to Australia, he had to go back to university, of course, because they had different types of... Um, entry requirements and he ended up doing a master's in mathematics and teaching high school and lecturing at university. Mm. What does your mother do? My mother's a, a library technician. She was working in the Bureau of Statistics for many years and then moved into working at the hospital library at Westmead. Yeah. Tell me what it was like growing up as the daughter of immigrant parents in Sydney. Oh, well, um, yeah, it, it was... It was very interesting and very colourful at times, sometimes very frustrating. Uh, for example, uh, my mother's very fair skin, my father's very dark skin. In Mauritius, um, mixture 
of you know skin shades is is very common but for some reason um, when I was growing up I noticed particularly that they were actually sort of treated differently because of that outward appearance and also because of their accent um, very French accent and uh, I noticed that, yes, there was some times where they did struggle a great deal with discrimination, I felt, and uh, that frustrated me as a child because I knew them and I just hated hated to see them treated that way. Did you ever experience any of that? No, no. For me, I was quite adaptable to my environment and I just took things as they came in that sense, but I was never directly treated in the same way that they were. When I say that, I, it was very infrequent, but as a, a young child looking at that, it, it really did leave imprints in my own sort of mind and my heart, you know, regarding them. Yeah. What was school like for you? Um, school was school was okay. It was a bit difficult because I was the teacher's daughter, and so going to school, there were a lot of expectations around that. Um I tried very hard to fit in and I think that I really struggled on that front. Um, I excelled in very different areas of of studies and sometimes that wasn't viewed as a very cool thing. And so... Probably still isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Probably still isn't. And so, yeah, for me, relationships were very important. So sometimes I sacrificed um, my my studies to be able to keep relationships. and, yeah, that really impacted on my uh, view of self. Sometimes when people uh, didn't appreciate the way in which I excelled in a certain area, um, I took that personally as, you know, that I, there was something wrong with me. And so I developed a very low self-worth as a consequence of that, strangely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to come back to that a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> was religion part of your family life? Yes, my, my mother and father were Seventh-day Adventists and when I was age three, they actually left church for various reasons. So I grew up without an understanding of God. I understood that he, there was a God. I always believed in God, but I never saw him as a personal um, being until the age of, of 16. But mum and dad always held good morals and um, I, really, I really value that. Mm. Did you feel loved and accepted in the family? Yes, definitely. I think, though, because um, externally I was exposed to a number of critical people in my life that really affected my view of self, all the affirmation that I did receive from the home front were kind of overshadowed because I was quite sensitive to the criticism. And I think the belief in those those critical thoughts sort of overshadowed any encouragement and affirmation that I received from home. But I was definitely loved and accepted by my parents, my sister. Mm. Was music always a part of family life? Definitely. I mean, my earliest memories... Uh, my dad just singing and playing and laughing and mum singing along with him, you know, some of the Mauritian folk tunes that they used to sing. Um, and then at the age of five, I received a little piano keyboard and um, just instinctively started to play songs on it. Um, and that's when they realised that I had some type of musical gift and a little bit later in life they... Um, started to pay for some piano tuition for me, yeah. (laughs) Now, you're bilingual. You speak Creole with your parents? Well, I understand Creole. Having grown up in Australia, I I never really connected with other uh, Mauritian families as well. Um, 
And so I never really got into any fluent speaking Creole fluently, I, but I do understand it quite well. Mum and Dad will speak to me in Creole, but I will respond in English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed with my Creole, so I don't want to <laughs> try and uh, speak back in Creole. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about your uh, spiritual journey and your conversion. When Mum and Dad left the Adventist Church at the age of when I was age three, I um, moved about with an understanding of God, a loose sort of understanding of God's um, presence there. But at the age of sixteen, I enrolled into a school musical uh, called Godspell. and they cast me as one of the disciples in that musical. And as I was reading the play and and watching the portrayal of Christ unfolding before me it occurred to me that he wasn't just a good man he was he was the son of god he had incredible healing capacity incredible compassion and love and i wanted to know more about that and so my music director who was a christian uh, invited us to stay for bible studies after the production and so i put my hand up you know, and said, yes, definitely, I want to find out about who Jesus is. I began to read the Gospels, and when I discovered that he died for me, you know, with all my failings and weaknesses, uh, it just blew me away, and I just gave my heart to him immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Has your motivation changed over time for your music ministry? Yes. I mean, initially my music, uh, my songs were only ever written to the Lord and it was a very private thing, very personal. And, and, and you know, when you're writing music, you really do feel quite vulnerable because you're exposing a very personal side of your relationship with God or relationship with others, depending on what you're writing about. But as um, as I became more aware of how music was important in reaching the hearts of people and drawing them closer to God, I realised that this music had to be used for that purpose, not just for my own private interaction with God. And he really, really would, would speak to me strongly about that. Um, he'd speak to me from a verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, where I wasn't to hide um, my light under a bushel. And he spoke to me about that for several years. But I think my fear and, and nervousness of, of, of sharing this, this kind of music um, sort of caused me to struggle a bit. But eventually I came around and decided that I would start, you know, expressing songs to people um, so that they too can connect with God. I think you're less concerned today about what other people think about you Yes. I think you're more relaxed about that. Definitely, definitely. Um, as I, when I left um, medical work after my internship year um, and was going through very severe depression, it was at that time that God helped me to realise something very important. One of the precipitating factors for my leaving work at that time was an experience where I had to speak to a young man who was terminally ill um, he was only 36 years old and dying of bowel cancer. I had to tell him that he only had two weeks to live. And at the time, being a junior doctor, it was very difficult for me. I hadn't really broken such terrible news to people before. And my registrar, who had very high expectations at the time, said to me, I want you to tell him A, B, C, D, and, and this is what you need to say. And when I walked in there, it wasn't just him lying on the bed, but his entire family and looking at that, I was incredibly um, overwhelmed by the whole thing. I don't really remember what I said at that moment, but what I do remember is the reaction of grief 
that overcame them. And uh, it was so potent that I, met, I backed away from the ward into the corridor where I met my registrar and she said, did you say A, B, C, D? And I said, no, I only said A, B and C. And she brought me straight back in there and before them actually said to them, um, that I, w- I was just, you know, in other words, incompetent and these were the real facts. At that moment in time, because I was so in need of, of gaining the um, approval of my seniors to, to, to get a sense of value of who I was, having her do that um, really made me think, terribly about myself in that moment and that I was a complete failure actually but it was at that moment that God actually spoke to me through scripture from Matthew 3 verse 17 and said in a personal way you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased and those words just really really held me in that that really traumatic moment and after that experience I realized that you know, who I am to Christ has nothing to do with my performance, my academic status, how people define me, whether they approve or not. It's got nothing to do with that. Who I am in Christ and the fact that he died for me because he loved me is what gives me value. And since then, I've been a lot more relaxed about life and um, a lot more kind to myself. Mm. Um, just really basking in in the sense that I'm valued and and that Jesus is pleased with me just didn't like and it has nothing to do with what I do it's just who I am to him there's another piece of music I'd like um, to play and uh, it's very beautiful it's just called love and it's from 1st Corinthians 13 would you like to introduce that we're running out of time but Mm -hmm. um, I would like to have this piece played Yeah, sure. Um, Love stemmed from the desire for me to actually express the core of who God is. He is love. And for me, the chapter 1 Corinthians 13 just describes it so beautifully. Um, And it it really um, brings out the fact that God is so incredibly selfless. And that he emptied all heaven for our sake to bring Jesus here to die for us. And and this passage really embraces that and really describes his character well. And I had to put that to music. (laughs) Let's listen to the song now. It's just simply called Love. the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and no So that I 
Well, we have several minutes left. I'm wondering whether you would just like to close our conversation with a prayer. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, it's so delightful to be here to speak to those that are listening. And Lord, I I just thank you so much for the journey that you've given me to, to show me that um, I am your child in whom you are well pleased. And Lord, I pray for all those that may be suffering, that may be going through a really difficult journey, that may not be aware of your presence around them because of the noise or the confusion of their emotional traumas. And 
Father, I just pray for them. I pray you lift them out of their despair, that you put them upon the rock of Jesus, that you help them to hear your voice very clearly in a very quiet place, telling them how much you love them, how well pleased you are with them and how much you want to carry them through their difficulty. And Lord, I just thank you so much for the music which you've given me and I pray that this music will help those that hear it to open their hearts to you and to hear your heart beating for them. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember to tune in again next time as I talk with another fascinating guest on Life Learnings. Bye for now and God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 